0: I don't feel like I'm getting enough feedback from everybody, so can everybody just stand up for me one more time? All right, we're going to do a little bit of yoga. Anybody know what yoga is? We're going to do some stretches. All right, get that blood flowing. All right, take your hands, put them away out like this for me, all the way. All right, yeah, you just hit, you just took the opportunity to hit your husband. That, that just, that's not what I was intending. Sorry, that was for the people on the live stream. They think think other things are going on. All right, now now take those hands and lift them all the way up, all the way up. Act like there's a string at the tip of your fingers and it's pulling you right up through the ceiling. You feel that? Some of you aren't doing it. know, nope, no, nope, you're just not with me. All right, now now I need you to close your eyes a little bit and and tilt your head back, but don't fall. Please don't fall backwards. Just tilt your head back, and now I want you to say something to God that you just love Him, that you appreciate Him, that you praise Him. Let's just do that on your own right now. God, we love you. God, we appreciate you. God, you are great and greatly to be praised. We've come to magnify you, God. We are here to serve you, for you alone are worthy. God, you are, come on, God, you are great. God, you are awesome. There's nobody like you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just give Him a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. You can remain standing for just a moment. I don't know of any yoga that feels better than giving God praise. Amen? Amen. And we're going to start off in the book of John here tonight, a very familiar verses of Scripture. It says, These things that I have spoken unto you, that you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And for a moment... Uh, tonight, I want to talk on the topic of peace in the times of trouble. So let us pray. God, we love you. We appreciate you. God, we thank you for what we feel in this place. God, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask you, Lord, to bless it. God, help us uh, to receive your word. God, help us to hear it tonight. Help us to apply it to our lives so we can leave this place differently than we came. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Before you're seated, look to your neighbor and tell him, peace. If you're a young person, you can say peace out, but just don't leave. I was expecting you to take longer, but it is good to be in church, but it's good to know that we can find peace in God. Uh, It's no secret, especially to this group of people, that the world is full of trouble is full of problems. Just turn on the news, pick up a newspaper, turn on Facebook or any of your social media, and you're going to see some sort of bad news. In fact, it's difficult anymore to watch a news program and find good news. Uh, The only good news we have truly anymore is the gospel. That is the only good news that is left on this planet, I think. Every other piece of news that we have seems to be bad news, news of trouble, news of problems. We can go down through the list. Uh, With elections going on next week, you're going to hear about Inflation and interest rates increases, which happened today, the Fed raised their interest rates, Uh, gas and food shortages, wars. We hear about the wars in the Ukraine and Taiwan and and North Korea. We hear about all the problems with climate change and whether whether or not that's affecting us and how bad it's affecting us and disease with COVID-19. And 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 now they're even talking about I even was watching this program the other day about a new a virus that they discovered in Siberia that has been dormant in their estimation for over 125,000 years that now is alive and well, and as they begin to continue to explore that area, they're worried about new viruses that are actually ancient coming back onto the scene and affecting mankind. Uh, One such would be something called smallpox that we could potentially... Uh, uh, activate an ancient strain of smallpox and at, now while, while it's eradicated would come back full force and affect human race. I mean, these are the kind of news stories that we get. We're like, wait a second, I'm so, how am I supposed to deal with that, right? How am I supposed to process that? How am I supposed to deal with, with news that says, you know, we're not going to have uh, heating oil this year, or we're not going to have food this year, or we, it's, it's going to be there, but it's going to be so expensive that I can't afford to buy it, you know? All all these different things start coming and how do, how do we handle that well how the vast pop our vast majority of the population handles it is they don't they develop anxiety they develop a uh, uh, stress. They develop uh, all kinds of conditions that are all around this unpeacefulness, if that's even a word, this, this lack of peace in their lives. And I, I have a little uh, uh, slide here, if you can go to the next slide for me. And I'm not sure if you can read all of this, but I'm going to try to go through most of it. But this is from, and I, I don't know if it actually says it up there. I think I cut off the top. This is from, and I forget the name of the site. That is from the the United States uh, statistics around mental health awareness, as, as if I remember right. It says one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness every single year. So twenty percent of people in the United States experience some form of mental illness. One in twenty U.S. adults experience serious mental illness. 1 in 6 US youth aged 6 to 17 experience a mental health disorder each year. 50% of all lifetime mental mental illness begins by the age of 14 years old. Think about that. And 75% of mental illness by the age of 24. So if you're over the age of 24 and you don't have mental illness, consider yourself lucky. And if you don't know if you have one, ask your family. They may inform you that you had one all along. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 14 years old. 10 to 14. The second leading cause of death is suicide. This isn't on this page but I went a little bit further and did a little bit more research. General anxiety disorder affects 6.8 million adults or 3.1% of the population. And out of those and out of that population, 43% are receiving treatment for it. Panic disorder affects 6 million adults or 2.7% of the population. Social anxiety disorder affects 15 million adults, or 7% of the U.S. population. And according to an ADAA survey, 36% of the people with this social anxiety disorder report experience symptoms for 10 or more years before they ever seek professional help. It's a real problem, folks. It's a real situation. Specific phobias, so all the different phobias, agoraphobia, acrophobia, uh, arachnophobia, those are just the A's. We could go through uh, a lot more phobias. Affect 19.3 million adults in the U.S. alone, which equates to about 9% of the population. And it also says that women are twice as likely to be affected than men. So now some of you women are afraid that you might have a phobia or a fear that you weren't aware of. So now you have a phobophobia. Not sure. But we have phobias going on. Obsessive-compulsive disorder. I know a lot of people kind of make jokes, oh, it's my OCD kicking in. I have to have things in in, in specific order. But true OCD or obsessive-compulsive disorder affects two .5 million adults every year, post-traumatic stress disorderists, PTSD affects 7.7 million people in the United States every single year. And then there's this general category called stress. So all of that wasn't even stress. This, that was all the disorders, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, the, 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 uh, the general anxiety disorder, the obsessive compulsive disorder. But stress, it doesn't even give an estimate. It just simply says everyone experiences stress and anxiety at one time or another. The difference between them is that stress is a response to a threat in a situation and anxiety is a reaction to the stress that every single person has these issues, every single person has stress, every single person experiences anxieties, every single person has fears and things that they just worry and stress about, it's not uncommon for us to have that, so when we live in a world that just bombards us with with bad news and bad situations how in the world can we get into a place of peace you see god wants us to have peace and john 10 and 10 it says the thief cometh uh, not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy but i am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly Understand that God doesn't want us to have a life that's consumed by fear, doubt, anxiety, and stress, but He wants us to have a life of peace. He he affirms this in 2 Timothy when He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of love and of a stressed out mind, right? And of a sound mind. God wants us and delivers us peace in these times of trouble we need to have peace in time of trouble that is our job as christians and as the light on a hill that can't be hid as the salt of the earth god planted us that we might bear fruit and god says that the spirit of the fruit is what in galatians it says the spirit or the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. We need to demonstrate the peace of God in our lives to show forth the fruit of God's Spirit living in us. Even when things get too hard to bear, we can turn to God and he can give us rest. In Matthew, it says, come unto me all that labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants to give us peace. So how do we get there? How do we get to this place of perfect peace? How do we demonstrate a cool head when everyone else is losing theirs? How do we let this fruit of the Spirit flourish in our lives? And how do we get to this place where the stress isn't stressing us out? How many would love to live a life of no stress? It would be great, wouldn't it? The wrinkles would be gone. The aches and the, and, and, and the tension in your neck and your shoulders, right? Gone. I'm not even going to take a, 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 the unofficial polls that I do with your hands raised, but think about just in this room, let alone across this community or in, in, uh, in this state, but think about how many people take some kind of anti anxiety medication. It's amazing. I didn't get that statistic. I should have gotten that for you. But it is amazing. How do we get to that point that we can live in peace? And tonight we're going to discuss at least, and I know there's many more, but we're going to discuss six ways that we can have God's peace manifested in our lives. The first one is going to be a relationship with Christ can give us an everlasting peace. In John, it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, if a man love me, he's going to keep my words. And my father will love him and he will come unto him and and make our abode with him. We'll stay with him. We'll take up residence with them. In other words, God will be living inside of you. And he that loves me not uh, keeps not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. When we enter into a relationship with Christ, we can expect peace to follow. God is love. God is peace. A relationship with him is different than any, any other relationship we can ever enter because with God, he will never fail. You know, I remember growing up in school and, and you know, even talking with, with my parents that there, there was an old saying that says, never say never, right? Never say never and always because you will always end up being wrong. Or I think it was always never right. I forget how it all worked. But never say never or always is what they always, is what they always said. And But when we talk about God, we can literally say never and always, Because He will never fail. God will never let you down. He will always be there to encourage you to do the right things. He will always comfort you in times of trouble. He will never leave you because God is a spirit. He's everywhere all the time anyway. He will always be with you he will be there when you need him if you maintain that relationship with him what did that scripture say we have to love him we keep his commandments go to him in prayer go to him and worship go to him by going to church go to him by reading our bibles go to him by drawing close to him if we do that it, the bible says if we draw close to him he will draw close to us and we will find the peace that we need by knowing that we can trust in him and not worry so many times we have relationships here on this on this earth with with our spouses as our friends or, or or whoever, and we we trust them, we love them, we hold on to them, and at times they still fill us. I love Christy, and I know she hates me using her as an example, but sorry that 's my wife that 's the only one I ever have, and probably the only one I will ever have, right okay, good making sure we're still okay. She says, wait till after your example, and then I'll let you know. Uh, but there are times, I know this may be a surprise to some of you, that we disagree. There are times when she decides to be wrong. Because I'm, I'm not. She is when we disagree. That's how it works, right? Don't worry, I'll get told later. But there are times... That she could possibly do, you know what, I'm going to flip this around. There are times that I might do something incorrect. That I might do something wrong. That I might do something that didn't meet her expectations and she feels like she was let down. She still loves me. She still trusts me. She's still married to me. But I still let her down. And when we go to God with our relationship, sometimes we put that same uh, prejudice or that same bias onto him that, well, there's going to come a day that you're going to let me down. I'm going to feel bad about it. But when we start leaning and resting on God, we know that he will never, ever let us down. There's never going to come a day where I'm going to be disappointed in what God has done. Think about that. There's never going to be a day where he didn't measure up to the awesomeness and majestic power that is God. He will never let us down, which means I never have to worry about my standing. I never have to worry whether or not he's going to come through again. I never have to worry. I can trust in him knowing that he's going to take me through whatever problem I'm going through, and I can have peace. Amen? Not only that, he also left us a gift of peace of mind and heart, a gift that this world cannot bring. If we just continue reading down through that chapter in John 14 and 25, it says, These things have I spoken to you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you, let your heart be let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That last verse is so powerful. peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. the whole uh, epidemic of fear and anxiety in our life is can be summed up in one word and it's fear and when we lean into god and we lean into the gift that god has and he says i love you and perfect love casts out all fear the only thing that's left is peace See, the peace that he gives is different than the peace that the world gives. You're going to hear about, I mean, definitely, and, and as we approach the end times, the, the terms of peace and safety. In fact, I heard it on the news just, just yesterday, I believe, somebody was talking about peace and security. I'm like, ooh, here we go. Here Eric happens. Well, they're talking about peace, and their definition of peace is the absence of conflict, the absence of active war. Throughout the 80s in the United States, we were at peace, but if you, actually, it was really through the 60s through the 80s. I just remember the 80s. I don't remember the the before then. But they called it the Cold War because we were in a battle with the communist Russia and Cuba and Whoever else would have gone to gang up at the same time. No active conflict was happening. It was a battle of wills. It was a battle of 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 posturing. It was a an increase of arms, but never a shot fired. It was, they considered a cold war. And as you look back through history, they call it a peacetime. I guarantee you, if you talk to those who were in charge and those who've lived through that, which I'm looking at many of you, you did. It was far from peaceful. Yeah, there was no active conflict. Yeah, there were no uh, missiles firing on a daily basis. But I I guarantee you within the hearts and minds of people, we were at war. We had enemies. We had our guard up. There were those who didn't sleep very well at night. You go back to the Cuban Missile Crisis. There was a lot of people who didn't sleep well those nights. The peace that God gives is very different. It's not just the absence of conflict, but it is a true absence of fear, absence of anxiety, absence of worry. The world, that, it, it is different than any definition the world can give. It is a true peace of mind that I don't even have to worry. See, some people grow up in a house that the parents don't fight, but it's not peaceful. Peaceful. Because they still worry: Is mom and dad okay? Are they going to do this? Is the finances okay? Is is the dog? Just all kinds of different things still run through their minds of what happens, what's going on. Yeah, mom's not beating up dad, and dad's not beating up mom, and neither of them are beating up the kids, and that's all fine and wonderful. So they're like, it's a happy home. It doesn't mean it's a happy home, because those worries and those fears can still happen. But a true peaceful home are ones that. The worries aren't there. See, the peace that God gives is different than the peace that this world gives. The world will fail. The world will let you down. The world will disappoint you. It's built on a false hope. But when we have this gift of God, this comforter that he gives us, God's peace is built on an eternal hope that supersedes this world and our existence. It's a peace that's not logical, but it's internal and eternal. It's something that is from the inside and works its way out. You see, so many things in this world are very external. They 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 try to fix things on the surface, but God says, "I'm going to go to the root of it and remove all fear, remove all doubt, remove all anxiety, and give you a peace in your mind, in your heart. It's a peace that I don't have to worry, I don't have to concern. It's a peace that it doesn't matter what's going on around me because that's not where my foundation lies. It lies on the inside where God is moving." and God is living, and God has filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I can lean on that. That it doesn't matter what's coming my way. I don't, it doesn't matter if there's a disease affecting me or my family. It doesn't matter if there's a food shortage. It doesn't matter if my, if my car is not running. It doesn't matter because I have peace in God, because I will trust Him. <coughs> that though I die, the Scriptures say, yet will I trust Him. I know that even death, is a gain because I have peace in God. So what power does it have over me? I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to have doubts because I have God living inside of me. How many are glad for that peace tonight? Trust in the Lord and He will make you unshakable, assured, and deeply at peace. In John chapter 16, and this is where we got our opening scripture from as well, it says, Jesus answered, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour coming is now that you will be scattered and every man to his own, and you you shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because I have the Father with me. He's talking to these disciples and saying, Hey, it's going to come a time where you're going to be all over the place, and I'm not going to be around physically. He's like, you're going to run into some problems. You're going to run into some situations where they're going to try to hunt you down and kill you. If that doesn't put some fear and some doubt and anxiety into you, I don't know what would. So he's looking at them and says, you're going to have some problems in your life. But he goes into the very next verse, the very next words that come out of his mouth. He's like, you're going to be scattered. You're going to have problems. People are going to come after you. But I'm telling you this, these things I have spoken to you. Why? That in me you might have peace. You're going to have problems. I'm telling you that because you can have peace. Wait a second. What are you talking about? You're telling me bad things are going to happen so that I can have peace? What do you mean? He says, because in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Because you live on this planet, problems are going to happen. From the very fall of man, from when sin was entered into the picture, problems start to happen. This, I know, I'm big on spoiler alerts, so if you don't know this yet, this is a huge spoiler alert. The world is not perfect. I don't want to, I'm sorry if you didn't realize that. Humanity, not perfect. The person you love the most is not perfect. It's not. There's all kinds of problems, all kinds of situations, all kinds of things that happen. He says, oh, this world, you're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. If I can trust in God, I can have this unshakable peace that no matter what's coming my way, I can still have peace. See, if we stated this world's full of trouble, but we, and we as the children of God, are not immune to these circumstances, I mean, after all, we take time in every service for prayer requests. Right? What does that mean? We still have problems. We still have things that we can't fix on our own. None of our lives are perfect. I wish they were. It would be a lot easier. But if they were, it would be called heaven. And we're not there yet. If it were heaven, we wouldn't need it. In this, if 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 heaven was on earth, we wouldn't need a savior. I'm so glad we have a savior. Amen. But we can rest in Him that He has already overcome the world, and we can have peace. That through Him we will as well. Think about what Jesus did for us. I talked about the good news of Christ. He lived here on this imperfect planet, surrounded by problems hunted from when he was a child by king the king Herod he had to flee because he would have been killed don't tell me jesus doesn't know what we're going through the bible says he was tried and tempted of all things in like manner and still sinned not he overcame this world of trials and tribulations he did it as a perfect sacrifice. He experienced everything we experienced and still didn't sin. He conquered this life and He conquered this world. But He didn't stop there. He also went on and conquered death, hell, and the grave. Brother Jason touched on this uh, uh, a couple of nights ago when he preached about the keys of death, hell and the grave and how Jesus conquered them. And I, I really want him to go about another hour on just that topic because I think he could. Definitely. It would be really interesting stuff, but I'm not going to go in all that. But he conquered death, hell, and the grave. So we don't even need to be concerned or worried about which most are, are most afraid of, of death and the unknown. That's what a lot of people are afraid of. What's their biggest fear? I'm afraid of dying. I don't know what's afterwards. <clears throat> we don't even have to be afraid of that. Because we are in Christ, and we can trust that He already conquered that. We can have peace because we know what happens. We get to spend eternity with our Savior, who whom we already know. It's not a great unknown for us. It's not some distant thing or ethereal a, 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 a conclusion of of scientists and and. And hypothetical theories, it is, it is a grounded item because we know who our Savior is. We know who our God is. We have a relationship with Him. And we know that if we stay with Him, when we do the things that He wants us to do, that he, no matter what comes, we will have peace either in this life or the next because God's peace is eternal. Amen? Amen. If we live a life that pleases Him, He will make peace even with our enemies. In Proverbs it says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. How many here have enemies? Oh, I, was, oh, you, I fooled you. I didn't think a single hand was going to go up. You have enemies, really? I feel like superheroes. Do, do, do. My great adversary. Brainiac. No, I know. Our enemies are named Karen. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. No, that's not right. Do we have any Karens here? I hope I didn't offend anybody. (laughs) But when we live a righteous life, God will provide favor for us with man. You see, remember Jesus, when he grew, the scripture says that he grew in favor with God, which is what we should be doing through our relationship with him. But it says he grew in favor with God and with man. That means that though my enemies may not like me, I can still be at peace with them. That I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to wonder. There's no active battle. I don't have to worry whether or not the people like me or not. doesn't matter. They can hate me. Okay. I don't have to worry if they're thinking about me. More than likely they're not, by the way. They're just living rent-free in your brain. That's all they're doing. Why? Because I'm right with God. I already know I have a good relationship with Him. I know that if, as long as I'm right with Him, it doesn't really matter what you think of me. It doesn't. I may want you to like me. That's my problem. We give way, way, way too much influence to the people around us, folks. We let so many other people's attitudes affect our personal peace and our walk and our relationship with God because, well, they don't like me, so, blah, blah, blah. and you're, you are just developing a bitterness in your life that is just your own. I mean, what do they say? What bitterness is is, is drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It just doesn't make sense. But if I have a relationship with God, And I'm repenting daily. And I'm reading my scriptures. And I'm doing my very best to live for God. It doesn't matter what other people think. In fact, the Bible says they're going to hate you for my name's sake. So guess what? There are going to be people that don't like you just because you're good. That's all right, folks. You love them anyway. And you move on. When you have a relationship with God, that peace that comes in the presence of my enemies, you could be sitting next to the person who you know would stab you in the back as quick as you can turn around. Go for it. Because I know who I, who I'm, who, whose side I'm on. I know who I have a relationship. It's not with you. It's with him. The psalmist said at best, I think, in, in, in the 23rd Psalm, which we know the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down a green pasture. He leads me to beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me the path of righteousness for his namesake. All that first part of the 23rd Psalm is about the peace that God gives us. But then he goes a little bit further in, in, in verse 4, he says, but even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There's no fear there. There's no worry. There's no anxiety. Why? For you're with me. My relationship is with you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As long as I can depend on God, I don't have to worry about what's going on around me. He says, you prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. I will sit down and have dinner with the people who hate me the most. You ever been eating with somebody and you had to wonder, do I need to check this food? I've been there. <laughs> Usually after I got Christy mad at me. Honey, that kind of looks a little bit like spit. Nope, nope, it's seasoning. It's good for you. Would you like some, honey? Nope, nope, that one's for you. Kids, no, that one's, that one's dad's. Kidding, obviously. But I can sit down at dinner with my very enemies. But he's going to anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. What does that mean? That means I'm filled with his spirit. There is no room for fear. There is no room for anxiety. There is no room for doubt. There is no room for stress. Because surely His goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I have my relationship with God, I can still even have peace, though I'm surrounded by those who want to do me harm. I'm so glad of the powerful peace that God gives us. Amen? God will protect our minds with peace if we meditate on Him, and Isaiah says, you will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Beyond my actions, my mind also has to be surrendered and belong to Him. If you truly want peace, it's more than just doing, going through the motions. It's more than just showing up at the church. It's more than just paying your offering. Those are just physical manifestations of the things that are going on on the inside hopefully you've got to get your mind right there are those that live away that will fool you and me and they just appear to be good people but if they were completely honest and completely transparent they are still full of unrest fear and anxiety you would be shocked at the number of preachers and pastors and teachers and evangelists that preach awesome messages if we can respect them and they do great things for God. But if they were truly honest and transparent, their minds are filled with anxiety, doubt and fear. You'd be shocked at the people who sit next to you on pews or in conferences that are just filled with are still filled with unrest and, and, and stress. Why? It's because they may be doing the things that that they're supposed to be doing, but haven't fully had that transformation of the mind. In Romans it says, Be not conformed with this world, but be ye transferred by how? The renewing of the mind. That you can prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's got to happen here. It's got to happen in your mind. It's more than just going through the motions. You're no more a Christian uh, by sitting on a pew than you are a car by standing in your garage. It's just the location of where you are. I can go to a jail, doesn't mean I'm a prisoner. Right? I can stand in a garage. It doesn't mean I'm a car. I can go to a church and doesn't mean I'm a Christian. I've got to change my mind. I've got to get renewed. I've got to have that transformation occur. We need to keep him in our mind. We can be in church and in a good service and and come around the altar, but, but that happens and sometimes we just can't shut our minds off. You ever had that opportunity where you're like, it's prayer before service and and you get down and you're like, I want to get a hold of God and I want to feel his presence. But somewhere between the the back of the church and and, and the altar, your mind starts to wander and it starts to, to go and worry about this or that. We can't shut it off and we start thinking about everything and anything and we can't get our minds to focus long enough just to eke out a prayer. Because we're thinking about the bills and we're thinking about not the Buffalo bills, but our bills that we have to pay. We're thinking about our family. We're thinking about the sicknesses. We're thinking about this, that and the other. And not that those aren't things we need to consider and take care of. But when we come to God, we've got to be able to shut all of that out and say, God, I give it to you. The reason why is because we haven't renewed our mind. We're not practicing to have our minds stayed on Him. But, and when we do it, it steals our peace. The anxiety, the stress, and the fear starts to eke itself in. and starts to uh, find a place to, to reside. And then we become thinking about that more than thinking about the God who's able to take care of that. We've got to wake up, as the song says, with my mind stayed on Jesus, right? We've got to do that. Uh, uh, Then I can have peace. I can have no fear because I can trust that he's going to keep me, protect me, and provide for me. And when I don't know what to do and I don't know what to think about and I say, God, I just want to get my mind on you, Philippians says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's how we get our mind on Christ. And then lastly, let God know what is on your mind and He will give you peace despite how you should feel uh, according to this world. In Philippians 4 and 6, just prior to the verse where he read, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You've got to let God know what's on your mind. But God can read my mind. Yeah, you're right. But he wants you to tell him what's on your heart, what's on your mind. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are the things that are bothering you? There is no better therapist than God Almighty. We've got to make our requests made known to God. And in verse 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Think about how simple that is if I take everything to God and prayer and supplication make my request known to Him then the peace of God that I can't understand that's beyond human comprehension is going to keep my heart, my emotions, my feelings, and my mind. My sound mind through Christ Jesus. If we do let those things, those stressors creep into our mind and they become something that we begin to focus on and they begin to steal our peace, I want you to understand that that is okay. You're not too far gone. There is still hope. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong or failing in your walk with God. That only means that you're human and you're living in an imperfect world. Understand that God cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. And He wants you to tell Him what's on your mind. Again, I'm going to use Christy as an example. Every day she comes home, you know what I get to hear about? Everything that happened at work. Whether I want to or not. But I do, honey, I do. I like to hear how they don't know what they're doing, but you do kidding (laughs) oh I'm gonna get it tonight he wants to know about your day he wants to know about your thoughts he wants to know about your feelings I mean I truly do want to know what Christy's going through on a day-to-day basis that helps me to know how do I approach her she have a bad day I need to be more kind if she had a good day then I can be mean no that's not what I mean But like with God, He's our Father, but He's also the Bridegroom. He cares about us. He wants to know about our day. We have to tell Him. See, part of having your mind stayed on Jesus is constantly talking to Him and letting Him know what's on your mind. That Scripture says, in everything. But what does that include? Is that your children? Yeah. What about my spouse? Yep. Everything. What about my job? Should I tell him about my job? Yeah. Mm -hmm. My finances? Yeah. Take it to him. Let him know about it. You're happy. You're sad. I'm angry. Whatever it is. God, I don't like it. Inflation stinks. God, do something about it. He says, I'm going to in the rapture. Sorry. Sorry with my insecurities and my fears and my shortcomings. Is that part of everything? Yep. Everything. Take everything to Him. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if you think, I'm just being silly. Be silly with God. He cares. He truly cares. Everything can be taken to him because he cares. And First Peter says, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. This is a great exercise. We do it with kids. But sometimes I think we need to do it as adults even more. You need everybody. I need you to just, just do this for me. to say, God cares about me. You guys didn't do the finger. I need you guys need to do the finger. God cares about me. Say it again. God cares about me. Oh, but there's political unrest, there's famines, there, there's abortions going on, there's all kinds of things happening, there's people with cancer, and there's people that, that don't know what's going on, but God cares about me. But I, I got a good job, and I got a good family, and, and the things I talk about are just you know first world problems. God cares about me. Folks, we can never, ever forget how much God loves each and every one of us. He truly cares about you. Like the song says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Just take it to the Lord in prayer. We have such an advantage of having a loving God at our disposal that whenever, wherever we are, that we can just go to Him and let Him know all of our faults, all of our problems, all of our fears and doubts and anxieties and everything. We can just unload on Him. Instead of vetting to our friend or to our neighbor who really don't care about you as much as you think they do and really just want to get the gossip or the dirt on that you're venting about. But if we go to God and we vent to Him, and we let him know what's on our mind, what's He say? And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your heart your emotions, your feelings, all that turmoil that you feel inside that sometimes make you sick, he says, I'm going to keep that, and your mind, the confusion, the hurt, the fear, the anxiety, everything. He says, I'm going to keep it all. You're not going to understand how it happens, but if you just bring it to me, I'm going to make it all better. I'm going to give you perfect peace. Let us stand. In this world, we will have trouble, and we are not immune to it just because we're Christians. But even in the midst of all the turmoil, we certainly can have peace. He gives us peace in the midst of the storm. And if we know where he is and run to him as our refuge and strength, remember, he is a strong and mighty tower that we can run into and be safe in times of trouble. If we can do that, we can have peace. How many need the perfect peace of God tonight? Come on, how many just need that peace tonight? Why don't we just lift our hands and lift our hearts right now and just offer up God? God, we need your peace in this time. God, we know there's a lot of things going on in this world. We know there's a lot of things dealing with the people in this room. Things that others don't even recognize or understand or, or, or pretend to comprehend. But God, we know that if we can just come to you, we can trust in you that you're going to make it all better. That you're going to give us peace of mind. Peace that passes understanding. Peace that is beyond our comprehension. But God, you're going to lead us into those green pastures. You're going to lead us into that right relationship. That you're going to lead us to the place to where you can give us perfect peace. God. As we leave this place, Lord God, keep your hand in protection on each and every one of us. Keep us mindful of you, Lord God. Let the peace of God that passes understanding rest on each person in this place. And hearing this word, in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Shake hands and be friendly.